this is this is the Barnes family. How are you? Come on over. You need to. Good morning, in. everyone. You need to get in the camera because we have a very narrow camera shot that we're getting in between these poles. So you are Sean. This is this is Rose, and I want Sean to tell you about this organization that that he runs. That to me is amazing. We've been trying to get behind it. We believe in it. We believe in you. We believe in what you're doing. And um, I wanted to know if I'm too old for the organization. Can I? Can I? Can I join? Can I sit Come in on, on the classes? <laughs> <laughs> tell us what you do. Thank you. And, and and he's looking for recruits. So I I don't mind. We never ask for anything for ourselves, but we don't mind asking for others. So he needs recruits. He needs uh, people to, to come in and be part of this program. He needs people to help with this program. Always needs resources, tools, and time, and money, and passion, and so go for it. Well, thank you, Pastor. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, back in 2011, God spoke to my heart that to, um, to start this ministry called Neighborhood Renovation and Training Program. Um, basically, this program is to help um, in three missions, to help train, to educate those who may have dropped out of high school. Um, secondly, to help those who may need um, some kind of a job skill training, especially in construction. I have over 20 years in that field. And also, uh, what we do is that we go around the community, we help low-income families, we repair homes for those families that need help, especially those who can't afford to repair those homes for themselves and or able to do it themselves as well. Um, so this mission came into my heart um, and uh, you know since 2011 we have helped about over 50 families helping repair homes for those who are in need around the Wyndham, New London County areas um, and uh, just recently um, um, thanks to Paul Thank you, Paul, able to have a facility that we can have a workshop. We have a classroom now. So we have about three spots, like Pastor says. We have some um, individuals that are interested in learning to trade. If you, are, um, if you haven't finished school or if you finished school and you're looking for a trade, um, we, will, we will train you. <laughs> and we will give you the guidance and the support that you need. We can also provide employment. Um, and we do a lot of good in the community, so, so this would go a long way. So, um, and you know, and God is amazing because he also placed me in the position to also work in the prisons as well. So in the daytime I work at, um, in, the, in, the, in the prison as a vocation instructor, doing the same thing, teaching the trades. And, um, and what we do is, and that opens my heart because it also shows me that um, there's a statistic out there saying that three out of five of these men and women they end up going back into incarceration and I'm hoping that I, we our organization can play a small part in this you know this is God this is God's mission I'm just there trying to get it to get going and to help in any capacity that I can um, so if you if there's any anyone that work in an organization that work with um, individuals who are looking for career skills and guidance and, 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 and to get into the next level. Um, we work with individuals 18, from age 18 on up, you know, so, um, so we have an individual right now that's 50. So, so, so you know, there's a, so you can join in too, Pastor. I can. I was, yeah. I was, I was, I was interested in the employment part. 
You said you can get employment. Can you, can you get me a job? Oh, yeah. Come on down. I will call you, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, we meet right now from uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays um, from um, 3, oh, sorry, from 5 to 8 p.m. Um, we are also going to go on Saturdays as well. That's where we actually do the, the work out in the community so that um, these men and women, economic apprentices, we're able to get these on-the-job training skills so that we, they can um, utilize all the skills that they need so that they can move on to a career in that field, you know? So, um, so that's pretty much it. Good. So you can give the microphone to Rose, and Rose oh. will read Luke 22, which is, which is an extension of what we did last week in Exodus chapter 12. Um, we're going to jump to Luke 22 and finish this idea of the, of the Lamb of God. Luke 22, verse 1. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought out how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way. And, com and comfort with the chief priests and captains, how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Verse 7, then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Verse 12. Then he will show you a large furnished upper room. There make ready. So they went and found it just as he, as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine, of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, likewise, he also took the cup of supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to them that men by whom he is betrayed. Amen. All right. So, um... This is a continuation of where we were in Exodus, the Passover lamb. And so to, uh, 
to really follow the scriptures, to really follow the accounts, to really find out what's going on in the Gospels, you need to put yourself into those, those cultures, those times. Jesus and all of these disciples are all Jewish believers who have been celebrating the Passover every year, all of their lives and all of their ancestors' lives and grandma's life and great-great-grandma and going all the, ba- all the way back centuries. They would, sacri- they would sacrifice the lambs at Passover in Jerusalem, and they would gather for a meal. And so Jesus, what he's doing is not unusual. In fact, they understand it. They don't necessarily understand all the symbolism that's going forward or what Jesus is going to do to sort of turn this into something different as well as opening it up to the Gentiles. So this occasion is often known as the Last Supper. Uh, There were three important festivals. Well, all of them were important, but three festivals that were relatively important. And this one is the best known and the most attended in the day, Passover. It's filled with significance, not just to the first century Hebrew, but to us today. We're celebrating the Passover. I have in my hand one of these little communion packages. In a few moments, we're going to get up. We're going to have you get up and go over and grab one for yourself and grab one for your family, however you want to do it. And we're going to do it together what Jesus did. So it's known as the Last Supper. It's known as communion. It's known as the Lord's Table. But it commemorates what we were looking at in Exodus and that's Egypt, uh, Israel's deliverance from Egypt, the Passover. What God had told them was, when I see the blood, and this cup signifies the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And so it's a time of remembrance, but it's also a time of rejoicing. And it's also a time where there's bitterness involved. In the Passover meal, when they had it, they had these bitter herbs. Well, what was that talking about? Well, it was talking about Jesus and the bitterness of him having to go to the cross in order to work our salvation, in order to bring us back to God. In Jesus' day, the the Passover, this is important, and I think it's important for us living as 21st century, 2021 Christians, nothing changes. Everything's the same. It's just that the scenes change. And in Jesus' day, the Passover had come to represent the political aspirations of many of the Jews. Why? Because they would get together, and as they would get together, that was a good time for them to voice their disapproval with Rome. They would gather together and do that. And they were hoping every year that this was the year of the Messiah. Now, when they understood the Messiah, they weren't thinking that he was the one who dies on the cross to save us from our sins and brings Jews and Gentiles together and brings them back to God. They were thinking he would be a political Messiah, that he would come and he would sit on the throne of David and rule politically. In fact, Jesus was the rightful heir to the throne of David, and he could rule politically in Israel. And so they were always sort of churning the Passover into sort of political aspirations and political things and political overtones. And the church through the centuries has done the same sort of turned the meetings, turned what was going on into sort of political aspirations. Why? Because there's a lot of people there. There's a lot of voice. We can use it. Well, always there, Jesus didn't play it. He didn't play into it. 
He, he kept the whole thing focused on God and focused on the relationship that people had with God. And so there's a lot to learn from that. Um, they thought that the Messiah would come into Jerusalem and liberate them from the bondage of Rome. They were a little disappointed that he didn't play the political game. And so we know that in Jerusalem, there were as many as 265,000 lambs would be slain in Passover that we're looking at here. Imagine that, 265,000 lambs. Those streets were flowing with blood, just flowing with blood. And so if there's a 1 to 10 ratio, you know, one lamb per family, per extended family, there's probably 2.5 million people coming into the city of Jerusalem, all kinds of visitors there. The atmosphere is charged with energy. And, it, and with mixed emotions, thinking, is this the year? Is this the year that Messiah comes and sits on the throne and overthrows Rome? Is this the year? And Rome, Rome always knew that they were thinking about that. Rome always knew about the background noise, always knew about the hum that was going on in the background. And so many of the Roman soldiers that were mingling around in the crowd were in plain clothes. They weren't in uniform, just waiting for the riot to begin. And so just like today, many times people will use funerals as flashpoints for political gatherings. And Rome was always thinking they're going to do it one of these days, and they always were thinking <clears throat> one of these days we're going to do it. One of these days we're going to do it. And so Jesus coming in for the Passover. People are sleeping everywhere in the city, everywhere. Any place you could find a spot, people are sleeping. It's kind of the same as when Jesus goes to, Jesus' family goes to Bethlehem and there's no place for them because everybody had to go back. And so everybody's in Jerusalem. There's people sleeping in the streets, sleeping in little tents, just got their cloaks over them, not enough room in the city. And people are trading all kinds of things for rooms. And merchants, you know the merchants are arriving early. <laughs> I like to go to fairs and festivals and many times and they're bringing something there. And you always see everybody who's bringing the merchandise is there early. And so they're setting up merchandise, selling it in the city. It's really quite the gathering. And so verses 1 through 6, you start to see the hypocrisy that's present. Hypocrisy is no new thing. Hypocrisy has always existed. Hypocrisy has always existed in the church. A lot of people say that um, they don't like to go to church because there's too many hypocrites there. Have you heard that? Anybody ever say that to you? I don't want to go. There's too many hypocrites there. You know what I say to them? Don't worry about it. You can come. There's room for one more. So um, we're all hypocrites. We're all actors. And, and it does seem to manifest itself in a place where there's some kind of spiritual expectation and then expectations that people put on you and trips that people put on you. I don't know about you, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in the Bible-believing churches at all, not the fundamentalist churches or Pentecostal churches. I, I, didn't, I didn't have anything to do with that. I didn't know anything about it. And, man, I'll tell you, when, when I started going to church, that was the first place that people that I didn't know we're coming up laying all kinds of trips on me, telling me all kinds of things I needed to do, all kinds of things I needed to be. And thankfully, I had some good people around me that told me, just don't even listen to it. Just, just follow Jesus. And so one of the practices that developed over the years because of Passover, because they were supposed to not eat bread that had leaven in it. Leaven is a great picture 
because it, uh, it's just a little tiny bit that makes something blow up, right? Makes the bread blow up. And a little bit of leaven can blow up the whole lump. I have a friend, John Michaels is his name. John Michaels was the pastor of a church. He started a church in Las Vegas. And uh, when he started it in Vegas early on, he was like, well, how do you reach Vegas people? You know, they're all working in the casinos, and they all work at night, and they all work on the weekends, so how do you reach them? He started a Bible study 2 o'clock in the morning, and all kinds of people came. <laughs> because he did it when they were getting out of, when they were getting out of work. But John worked um, for the military. He worked out in Nevada. He worked in those places where they put bombs under the ground. They would drill under the ground and put bombs and measure them and, and, and see it. Well, he told me that when he was in the, in the military that he worked in the kitchen early on, and they used to make the bread. They used to make the bread for everyone. And one weekend, the, the people that he worked with said, you know, we're going to be here this weekend. John, can you take the kitchen? He's like, yeah, I can take it. And they said, you're in charge of the bread. He said, yeah, I'm definitely in charge of the bread. And so he said, I didn't really understand the bread. He said, I put all kinds of leaven in that bread and put that stuff on the counters. And he said, that stuff was exploding. It was going over the tables. <laughs> because just a little bit of leaven leavens the whole bunch, leavens the whole loaf. And so it's a good representation of a small amount of sin that will seep into everything and cause the whole lump to grow. And so small amounts of sin in our life grow day by day, silently, unnoticed, until affecting everything. And so before the Passover, they would go through their homes trying to get rid of anything there, trying to get rid of any of that. Kind of interesting, they would go after the little things and forget the big things. Jesus talked about this in several places, talking about them going after the little things and forgetting the big things. They would take a candle, no spiritual significance there, just go around and, and look for dust, look for things, you know, that might be leavenous. And they would search everywhere for traces of leaven, breadcrumbs, any breadcrumbs, get it out of there. And so we recall from our studies in Luke, if you read it, that Jesus told his disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Well, in this passage, we see some unleavened bread, and we also see the leaven of hypocrisy. Just a little bit of it growing. These men that are following Jesus, Judas included, they're ready, they're ready, all of the religious leaders who have gotten all of that yeast out of their house, who have gone with a candle to make sure there's no breadcrumbs in some corner somewhere, all of them that are looking at these little things, they are ready to commit one of the worst crimes in human history on one of the holiest days in Judaism when they send Jesus to the cross. But they're going to get all the leaven out of the corner, and then they're going to crucify Jesus. Unbelievable. The hypocrisy. They had just cleansed their homes of any yeast residue that might be hiding in the corner behind a chair, but they haven't cleaned anything out of their hearts. You know, religion, religion is useless. It's, it's relationship with God. And so they had religion, and they're going after the little things and forgetting the big things. And Jesus said, you, you know, you guys, you tithe of your mint and your cumin and your dill, but you forget the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy. You forget those things, going after the little things. Outwardly, they're cleansed. Inwardly, they're evil. And so um, there's a part where Paul talks in Corinthians where he warns about taking 
the Lord's table without examining your own hearts. Outwardly, we're, outwardly we're okay. I'd say all of us here, outwardly, we're okay. We're here. We're here. Inwardly, woo, when we get ready to take communion in just a few moments, it's going to get personal. We're going to make it personal. Because inwardly, we're filled with hate. We're filled with greed. We're filled with discord. We're filled with contempt. Judas is here among them. You know, what's motivating Judas? Uh, money? Maybe. And certainly that's part. The scripture says that, you know, he was motivated by money. But he's not given that much. It could have been, you know, that he's realizing now that he's not going to get any new position in this political kingdom. This monarchy that they think Jesus is setting up. The amazing thing about Judas is that he had been among them for quite a while and nobody knew that he was a phony. You never know. You never know what's going on with people. In fact, Judas is one of the most trusted, right? Because they give him the money. Who do you give your money to? The one you trust the least or the one you trust the most? <laughs> you give it to the one you trust the most. And it shows us how close somebody can be but never get in. And then as Rose was reading, <clears throat> it says it's Satan entered Judas' heart. Just as God is looking for instruments to use, so isn't Satan. He's looking for instruments to use. And it's our decision how we get used. Someone had said that there's no door handle on the outside of your heart. There's only one on the inside. <laughs> so Jesus isn't going to come and just open it up. You need to open it up and you open it from the inside. We decide who or what we let in. However, when we cooperate with sin, cooperate with Satan, just like Judas, we pay dearly. And so Judas, in typical fashion, after following and allowing sin, what happens? After following and allowing sin, what happens? Destruction. Destruction. The devil has come to rob and to kill and to destroy, and all those things that are offering us freedom end up destroying us. You know, all of the multiple you know, sexual interactions bring, bring destruction. You know, break, down, break down our emotions. Break down our ability to relate to people. Break down our ability to trust. You know, whatever else you might get into is going to bring you comfort, that's going to bring you notoriety, that's going to bring you pleasure. You seek after those things, seek after those things, and they ultimately destroy us. The Bible tells us that Satan is a liar who seeks to destroy us. Watch out for the leaven. Watch out for the little stuff. And watch out what you let in. And so Passover. Because that's what they're celebrating here. Passover. And Passover for us, just like in the days that they were delivered from Egypt, is a time to get sin out of our lives. So we're gathered together. So think about it right now. Um, what sin do I need to get rid of in my life? In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell them what that secret sin is? <laughs> no, you just tell God. And so in a moment, we'll, we'll look and search our own hearts, see the leaven, what's hiding behind the couch, what's behind the chair, the desires, the strongholds, the lies. And when we discover it, we'll beg for mercy. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Free me. Free me from the results and then heal my life and heal my relationships. Because some of this stuff that's in our lives has ruined our relationships. 
You get to in verse 7 through 12 when Rose was reading. Us Gentiles need a little bit of help there. Verse 7 tells us that the lamb would be sacrificed. All of the elements of the Passover coming out of Egypt are here. They're here in the cup. They're here in this chapter. The bitter herbs, Jesus dying on the cross. The lamb that needs to be sacrificed, 265,000 of them that weekend. The bread, the unleavened bread. And that's what we have here is some unleavened bread. The blood of the lamb. We have the representation of that in the cup that Jesus celebrates with his disciples. And then Jesus tells them, let's get ready. Let's go do the Passover. Let's make preparation for it. We made preparation for it. We have a little table over there, and we have these little disposable communion things that are a little bit hard to handle. You need to open it two different ways. Make preparation. Well, somebody made preparation on that table for you. Jesus said, Go make preparation for us in Jerusalem. And he said, you'll see a guy carrying water. Well, I don't know. Um, anybody carrying water? It's a hot day. I think a lot of us, yeah. cheers. Water? Everybody's got water? What's so unusual about seeing a guy carry water? Well, you probably know this if you've been to the developing world where you know, people are still dependent every day on collecting water and dependent every day on getting fresh food from the, from the market. It's, uh, it's always been, historically, throughout the ages, it's always been the women that carried water. And many times the women would carry the water from the well. Where would they carry it? Anybody know? They'd carry it on their heads. They'd carry it on their heads, and they get good at it. Sometimes you can see those ladies, if you've been to those places, you can see those ladies walking down the road without holding, without holding those things on the head. Water. Still the same today, many places. Uh, in, in John's gospel, we see Jesus meeting a woman at the well. When um, Moses, you know, same, same thing, Abraham, you know, the woman at the wells, the woman went and got it. So it, it kind of would be like saying, it's, now it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be completely unheard of that a guy would be carrying water, but it just wasn't the norm. You know, it might be like saying, you know, when you, when you go to Calvary Chapel uh, up on Sharp Hill uh, Sunday, look for a guy carrying an Italian designer purse. Uh, there might be somebody like that here, but it would be unusual. And so, so they, they see the guy and they grab the guy because he's doing that. He was easy to identify. And then we're going to celebrate the Passover here in verse 14 going forward. When the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table with his disciples. So Jesus wasn't reclining at the table with 13 of these. They were having a meal, the Passover meal. But this account is a little bit different than the Exodus account because there's something missing in this account. What's missing is the lamb. Why? Where's, where's the lamb in this account? Somebody shouted out, where's the lamb? Jesus is the lamb. That's what John the Baptist said, behold, this is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. No mention of the lamb because Jesus is the lamb. You remember they were in the Exodus, they were to keep a lamb in their midst for some days and examine it and see what that lamb is like. And they were to see that that lamb was perfect and if it wasn't perfect, they needed to get rid of it. And Jesus has been in our midst. We get to look at him. You know, that's what we're saying with these children in Sunday school. 
is let's teach them the Gospels. Let's teach them about Jesus. Like, look at Jesus and see who he is and make your decisions. In the Exodus, they were, they were told, they were commanded to examine the lamb. And if it's not a spotless lamb, get rid of it. The same with us. I don't think we need to just like blindly just, you know, oh, I, I don't know anything about that. But, you know, if you say I need to believe it, I believe it. No, don't do that. Examine the lamb. Examine the lamb. See if he is the lamb of God. See if he is perfect. And we said last week, if you were with us, that a lot of people that have tried to disprove that the lamb is who he said he is, that a lot of people have tried to disprove that the, the, the lamb is Jesus, that Jesus is even Jesus, a lot of them who have gone after that, you know what they do now? They write books about Jesus. Because when you learn about him, he's difficult to resist. When you think you know about him, he's very easy to resist. People think they know about Jesus. They think they know what it is to be a follower of Jesus. They've, they've pegged you. They've put you in a category. They think that, but no. Study Jesus. Study Jesus. See what he's like. The real Jesus. Examine him. And so Jesus said that he was desirous to drink this cup with them. Why was he desirous to drink the cup with them? Because was he thinking, I need a night out with the guys? Um, what's he thinking? No good restaurants in Galilee? Can't wait to go to Jerusalem? He's desirous to reconcile the broken relationship that people have with God. And he's going to the cross for it. He's going to the cross for you and he's going to the cross for me. And this is the culmination of everything he had come to do. The end of his three years of ministry. And he tells us that this is the last time he will eat with them until he eats with us in heaven. And the way things are going, that could be pretty soon. Jesus breaks with the Passover tradition in 19 through 22, and he begins to explain it differently. They've been hearing about it one way for all of these centuries, and now Jesus is going to tell them that there's another explanation to it. That all of this has been a coming attraction, that all of this is a picture, that all of this is a metaphor, that all of this is a type. And what does it mean? It means that he is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. What's the bitter herb event? Well, it's joyous because they had deliverance and salvation, but bitter because it cost the cross. In Egypt, it's joyous because they have deliverance and salvation, but it's bitter because it cost people their lives. And this is what we call communion. That Greek word is koinonia. It means to share in common, to have things together. Who do we have things together with with this cup? Well, with God. We're sharing something with God. We're sharing something with Jesus, but we're sharing something with each other as well. With each other and with God. It's an amazing thing what's going to be going on in just a moment. It, it is a time of examination. And it's a symbol of our participation in the new covenant, of our ransom from sin. We hold this cup up to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus, who ransomed me for my sin. Would somebody get up and give a speech for Jesus? For Jesus, for covering my sin. Somebody else, get up, give a speech to Jesus. To Jesus, for reconciliation. Somebody else, to Jesus, substitution, took my place. So we're going to take this communion and uh, sing and worship a bit while we're doing it and move in and out of it. Um, Henry, I'm going to ask you to close us in prayer. So um, 
<laughs> Henry's here from New London, and man, I, lo I, lo I love to go to New London just to hear you pray, Henry. I just, like, it's one of my favorite things there. Um, you, can, you can stay in the shade now if you want, because I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get reckless, I think. You never know what happens in this moment. So um, we're going to examine ourselves. We're going to take a moment to do that. There's a group of people, Christian people, that live in community together in the northwest corner of Connecticut. They're called the Bruderops. And the Bruderops are 400 families that had fled Germany during the war and during persecution. They moved to the northwest corner of Connecticut, and they lived together. They, if you've ever been in a nursery school and seen this sturdy, blonde furniture that you have bookcases, all kinds of things. They make that. And they're Christians. And they have an interesting way of celebrating communion. That if anybody in their midst, and they know each other, there's 400 families. If anybody in their midst has something against somebody else, they won't celebrate communion. They'll get together for the communion meeting. They'll have all the stuff out, just like we have all the stuff out, prepared, just like, you know, the disciples went in and found it prepared for Jesus, found the guy. They'll prepare it. But they won't do communion until those people reconcile. And so if you are the one who is sinning against somebody else and can't reconcile and can't get along, when it's time for our communion meeting, they're going to sit there and wait. And if you're not going to make it right, then we'll end the meeting. And next time we come together, I hope, I hope that you've reconciled with each other. Well, that seems a little bit heavy. This seems a little bit cruel. That seems a little bit uh, condemning, a little bit finger-pointing. No. Jesus, Jesus said the same thing, and it's for our own good. Jesus said, if you're going to the altar, let's call this the altar, Okay. If you're going to the altar and you know that your brother has something against you, Jesus said, go and be reconciled to him first before you go and get the cup. Why? Because those things hurt us. Those things hurt us. Unforgiveness, bitterness, holding things against people. Who is it hurting? Is it hurting the person you're holding something against? Not at all. They might not even know it. And if they do know it, they very well may not care. And so we pick things up. <clears throat> That's why Jesus also said in the scripture says, you know, to not let the sun go down in your anger. Because if you let the sun go down in your anger, you'll wake up in the morning angry. But not as angry as when you went to bed. And it might be the next night that's still lingering. But it'll start to lessen. But it hasn't left. And at the most inopportune time, that's going to come up. Jesus wants us to have peace with God. And he wants us to have peace with people. And the scripture says, as much as it's dependent on you, be at peace with all people. And so, uh, Lord, uh, we right now, Lord, not in a condemning way. Because if we're condemning, we're just condemning ourselves. We just, uh, we recognize who we are. We're... Anybody, anybody here human? Anybody, any human beings want to pinch yourself? Are you human? Are you alive? Um, 
You know, if we are, if we are, we fall into these categories. It's, it's not unhuman to fall into these categories. Jesus knew that. And he knew what ruins the human personality. He, he knew what ruins human peace. He knew it ruins relationships. And he's trying to get us out of it. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking about this, when you read about Paul talking about communion in 1 Corinthians 11, you have to start in the middle of the chapter, I think it's verse 14, where you know what he says? Your meetings do more harm than good. Would it be possible to go to church and those church meetings are doing more harm than good? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, ask some kids that have grown up in pastor's homes. Ask people that have gone to church their whole life. Ask people who, yes, many times church meetings do more harm than good. And the Apostle Paul walks them through the process on how to get out of this. And he said, some of you aren't discerning the body. You're not caring about other people. You're just caring about yourself. And he said, because of that, he said, that's why some of you are sick right now. And that's why some of you are dying. You know, you hold this bad stuff inside of you long enough, it'll make you sick. It'll make you sick in the head. It'll make you sick in the body. And so here we are on a hot Sunday, hot Sunday morning, given the opportunity to get rid of some of this junk, getting rid of some of this stuff. And it might be that by the time you get the cup and take it and have got rid of this stuff, the only one that knows about it is you and God. I like my secret life with God. I don't like telling everybody everything I tell God. So let's pray together. Like let's, let's search our hearts. Lord, you have searched me and known me is what King David said. You've seen me when I come in. You've seen me when I go out. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it, O oh Lord. You hem me in from behind and before. And Lord, if I go into the depths of hell, you're there. And if I fly into the heights of heaven, you're there. And your right hand will guide me. You'll always be with me. I can't hide from you. In this moment, I can't hide from you. And so, Lord, I, I need help. I need help getting rid of this junk. I need help getting rid of this junk. Lord, help me, help me, help me. I'm begging for mercy. And Lord, the harm that I've done to people because of what's inside of me, I'm praying that you know maybe you'd be gracious and could you arrest that? Could you reverse the processes, please? Because I'm at a loss. If we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, to wash us from all unrighteousness, to be right with him. So while we're singing this, why don't you get up and uh, there's a table there. You'll have to grab it yourself. Um, get up, take it, take the cup, go back to your seat and we'll, uh, we'll take it together. And there's some cards there. Take a card with you. Give it to somebody. It says, best summer ever. Come and join us. Inspiring teaching, good music guests, food. We're going to have food after this.
Okay, so um, what are we doing? We're taking communion. And um, you see, when the disciples were doing this, Jesus was uh, with them. Well, um, Jesus said where two or more are gathered, he's with us. There's more than three here. He's in our midst. And we've said before that this particular celebration, the church through the ages has seen it different ways. And some of the church sees it as that when you take this, it's actually the body of Christ and it becomes Christ in you. And other people have seen it as, well, it's a symbol, it's a remembrance, it's a historical thing that we're remembering because Jesus said, do this in remembrance to me, so it's certainly a remembrance. But it's more than just a Sunday school lesson. The reality is that Jesus is here with us. Jesus is here. And Jesus being here is doing what Jesus has always done. There's just a few things that he does. It says that he would go about preaching. That means he's inviting you in. He's inviting you to the relationship with God. Come in. Just come in. Just come home. Just turn to Jesus. 
And if you haven't done that yet, if you don't have one of these cups in your hand, turn to the person next to you and borrow half of theirs. Because the Bible says if you believe it with your mouth, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. So that can be your profession of faith. Just take it. Come home. Jesus is preaching. And you preach to the lost. You preach to those who haven't come in. You preach to those who haven't received the message. And it says that Jesus was always preaching. And he was always teaching. Well, who do you teach? You teach the found. You preach to the lost and you teach to the found. And it says that he was going about healing and doing miracles. There needs to be a lot of healing in this room. We need all kinds of healing. We need relational healing. We need healing in our homes. We need healing in our hearts. We need healings at work. We need healings with our associates. We need so much healing. We need healing in our bodies. You need any of those? Jesus, come and heal us. And so the Apostle Paul tells us that um, when Jesus did this, and he's in our midst, doing what he's always done, You can come up now, Henry. We're going to close. You mind coming up? And uh, somebody's going to have to give Henry their microphone. But the, uh, the Apostle Paul said that he took this bread and it symbolizes his body and we feed off of him. We are all feeding off of him together. We are growing together. You growing? I'm growing. I think I'm growing. You'd have to come into my house and ask everybody if I'm really growing. <laughs> I hope they'd say I am. So let's take it and eat. You got that? It's a little tricky, isn't it? You got it? And then after that, take the cup and don't, don't spill that cup on that nice white suit. And then... And then it says that, that we take the blood. And you know, this blood is the great equalizer. Great equalizer. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your background is. You know, Sean was up here talking about prison. It doesn't matter if you're in prison. It doesn't matter if you're free. It doesn't matter if you're a correctional officer. It doesn't matter if you're a cop. It doesn't matter if you're a criminal. Levels the ground. It doesn't matter your education. It doesn't matter if you have a little bit or a lot. None of it matters. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. And it represents the blood of the Lamb that cleanses us from all sins. So take it and drink it to Jesus. To Jesus. I'll take that for you. Is that microphone on, Henry? So Henry will pray for us, and then you guys can continue and close with the song. So, uh, love you, Henry. I have a confession to make first. Go for it. And the confession is I don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit do. So as I get out of the way, God get in the way. And this is at a time when you talk about prayer. Seem like something always happened. You don't feel good. You get sleepy and something happened. And, and then 
a disturbance take place. It seems like every time you talk about prayer, something get ready to happen. It's because in Ephesians 6 and 12, it says this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. If my beef was just with you, I just don't have to come around you. But it's a spiritual thing. And prayer begins to break down those barriers. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. No prayer, no power. So prayer is power. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, we come before you this morning, God, in the name of Jesus. We come in the only way we know how, God, in the name of Jesus. We, we humbly come before you. We ask you, God, that you begin to destroy yokes this morning, God. You know what we're going through, God. You know what we need. We ask you in the name of Jesus that you move in a mighty, mighty way. Search us this morning, God, and remove everything that is not like you, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, Lord we asking you in a mighty, mighty way because we know that you can do anything. You can't fail. You can't lie. You can't deny yourself. You are who you say you are, God, in the name of Jesus. So we ask you that you do a new thing this morning, God. That you reveal yourself in a mighty way, God. That anybody that's sick, we come against sickness this morning, God. We bind up sickness. We bind up hate. We bind up lying. We bind up fornication. We bind up everything, God, that is not like you. Anybody is sick, take your stand before God and say, I'm healed. The blood, the blood, the blood. There's power in the blood of Jesus. So, God, we thank you right now, God, in the name of Jesus, because we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you not only hear us, God, but you begin to answer our prayers, God. And whatever that need is, you ask God right now. You say, Lord, I need you more than ever before. I know sometimes God becomes a, a, a God where we always ask him for something. It's nothing wrong with asking, because if you ask, keep it on asking. God will give you something. Don't never stop asking God, but don't ever stop believing that he is who you say he is. So we thank you this morning, God. We thank you for family. We thank you for the pastor, God. We thank you for all those who came out today, God. And we ask you, God, as we leave this place, God, that you never leave us. That you go before us and make the cricket roll straight in our lives, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, God. Lord, remove everything right now that is not like you. We thank you, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Lord, have your way this morning. As we get out of the way, God, we ask you that you get in the way and that you stay in the way, God, and that you just do what you do, and that as you heal, you deliver, you redeem, you set free. So we thank you, we thank you, and we thank you. And although we can't thank you enough, we just say hallelujah, 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 thank you, Jesus, because thank you, for all that you've done and continue to do in our lives and we give you all the honor all the glory and all the praises in Jesus name and let the church say amen hey glory be to God hey hey hallelujah hey 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 Hey, Kalalorono, Shikeke, Kakalorono, Papare, Hey, Kalalorono, Shikeke, Hey, Kakalorono, Ba, De Lalorono, Shikeke, Hey, God, do something, do 
today, God. Do it right now. Hey, hey, God. We need you, Lord. We need you. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you in the name of Jesus, God. Do it for us, God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Glory be to God. Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Lord. All right. So uh, there's sausage, peppers, burgers, dogs, cold drinks. Bless you. Holds me now. Your grace holds me now. Your grace holds me now. 